Welcome to 20-something, a podcast where we talk about everything from politics to pooping. I'm Sharon Guy. And I'm Roselle and Rother. We're two 20-somethings living in San Francisco, trying to figure out what we're doing with our lives and talking it through for all y'all to hear. Did you miss us? I missed you. We missed you. We missed each other, too. We have been on a bit of a whirlwind of weddings and engagements and European adventures and more weddings and graduations and birthdays. And now we're back. Woo-hoo. It's been a fun May, I guess. Like we literally it's been more than a month. So we're really happy to be back chatting with you guys. And this is our favorite time of year. So that's why we weren't doing the <laughs> Clearly we're too self-absorbed to pay attention to other things besides our birthdays. And <laughs> now we're celebrating other people in our lives. Yeah. But Roselle and Matt got engaged in Italy. Oh my God. Congratulations. Thank you. It's so exciting. I love Matt with all of my heart. Everyone <laughs> already knew it because I talk about him all the time. But now it's official and I love my ring and I'm of so happy and I can't wait to be surrounded by all my family and friends. Yes, I immediately took it upon myself to start planning their engagement party and then all of the rest of the bachelorette party, the bridal shower and the wedding. Damn, so. I haven't even heard about some of these things, so <laughs> we have a planning session to do. We do, but we're so excited for Matt and Roselle, and, and I can't wait to t- talk more wedding stuff in the future. Wedding podcast? No. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see. Once, we, once we're done planning, I already have five weddings to go to next year, which I'm, not, I'm looking forward to, but I'm realizing that, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> this is only the beginning. <laughs> Yes, very, yeah, it'll be fun, but it'll be a lot. So while we were on our travels, we were reading Sheryl Sandberg's new book, Option B, which was like literally the and like complete opposite of the vibes we were all feeling because we were having great vacations and super happy. And this book is so depressing and so sad. Literally the saddest book I've ever read. I was bawling on the plane. Matt was embarrassed to be sitting next to me and I had to have tissues on hand at all times. All times. I, you cannot read this book in public, but I like... <laughs> The message is good behind it, but like, honestly, it's one sad story after the next. Somebody has cancer. Somebody lost their child. Somebody like it's so the book, let's get into (laughs) it. So the book discusses grief and resilience after Sheryl Sandberg's husband, Dave Gold, Dave Sandberg. I don't know why I said Dave Goldberg. I thought so too. I know. Why does that sound right? Okay. Dave Sandberg. He just... He died when he was 47 years old and he, she found him on their Mexican vacation at the gym gym, and he had died while working out, which is so sad. And he was only 47. They have two kids and Sheryl Sandberg is the COO of Facebook. She's also the author of the book Lean In and kind of the proponent of that movement. And after she lost her husband, she wrote this book with, um, one of their professor friends, I think his name's Adam. Adam Grant. Adam Grant. And so this book really focuses on how Cheryl came back to life after she lost her husband and kind of the tools that she used and the lessons that she learned along the way and how those lessons can be applied to people who even haven't experienced loss in order to be a stronger person in their lives. Yeah, it's... There were definitely good messages um, besides all the sadness, but you read about how she learned 
just like lessons in humanity from like how um, her friends and family helped her so much and how she learned to be strong in front of her children because obviously her children had just lost their father and that's almost worse than losing your husband and she had to be there for her kids and let them know that their family unit was just as strong as it was before and that everything was going to be okay. Honestly, that was like the part that got me to tears most often was when she was talking about her kids. Yeah. Like, I just can't imagine. And that was kind of my issue with the book was I just can't imagine. Like we're mm-hmm. lucky enough to be, to not have experienced tragedy like this. And it's hard to, I mean, I'm, I think that if I experienced tragedy like this, I don't know if I would really be able to take Sheryl Sandberg's insights and apply them to my life. It just seems really? like hard to do in the time of grief. You know, it's like grief completely overtakes you and I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, Sheryl Sandberg like said to do this. <laughs> I don't know. That's it's- not really how you'd refer back to it though. It's I like, I think it's also like, it's, she kind of laid out the feelings that people go through in yeah. grief and like everyone knows the like generic five stages of grief, mm-hmm. but then there's also this other component of other feelings that are going on at the same time. And she kind of talks about it as like in like it, all of those stages of grief kind of fluctuate simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And another thing that she talks about is the psychologist, Martin Seligman termed the three P's and to avoid these things. So personalization, pervasiveness and permanence. And I really liked these messages Mm because I think that this can be applied in any problem or any challenge that you see in life is like when you personalize something, it's like, this was my fault. You're kind of putting up a block against overcoming it Mm, or learning from it. Yeah. And like pervasiveness, like this affects everything. It's just kind of overdramatic in a sense because like, like she said she had to be there for her kids there's mm-hmm. other roles that she was playing in her life besides a wife yeah. she was also a mother she's also a co-worker she's also a friend and so knowing that some tragedy won't kind of permeate your entire life even though it may feel like it like reminding yourself that you have other things to live for yeah. helps that's definitely applicable in lots of bummer situations like mm-hmm. losing a job breaking up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you know, a lot of people are like, I'm never going to get over this, Yeah, you know? And it's like, you will, you just have to get through this hard time, but there's other parts of your life that are still great. Right. And that gets into permanence. Like nothing Mm -hmm. will ever be the same again. And that's just not true. Everybody goes through phases in life and things get better. And obviously if you lose a spouse, it doesn't feel like things are going to get better and that like things will ever be the same again and they will be different, but it's like that how it's different can be up to you. Mm -hmm. And that's where I like drew parallels between this book and the book we read before by Mark Manson, the subtle art of not giving a fuck because he talks about how things can happen to you and you can't control stuff. And you can say like, he talked about this, this father that lost his son and who Mm -hmm. commented on his blog post and was really upset. And the way that Mark replied to that is like, I can't imagine what you're feeling, but like the same message and the same like kind of tool can apply of like, you can decide what you make of that grief Mm -hmm. and you can decide like how you channel it in the future. And that's why like Sheryl Sandberg also talks about a lot of parents who lose children to different diseases or different like causes, they end up being advocates for that cause later on because that's what keeps the spirit of their kid alive. Mm-hmm. And that's like how they overcome the grief and how they kind of become stronger out of it. Yeah. And I mean, 
obviously nothing's the same again after you lose a, a spouse, but in the end, when you use their cause to do better in the world later on, like that can almost make you a happier person. Like the mm-hmm. fact that you're doing so much for people that are also suffering from the same thing can really improve your life in the end. Mm-hmm. So that's another concept that they talk about is post-traumatic growth. And Mm -hmm. so that kind of means like emerging with some positive change from a negative event. And I like totally related to this just because of kind of like when you go through hardships in life, you it's helps to see that like there's positive things that come of it. Mm -hmm. I kind of think back to like just like childhood stuff and Mm -hmm. hardships going through adolescence with family and divorce and my whole slew of life. But like, I feel like I'm a stronger person out of that. And Mm -hmm. like, granted this, it does not compare to a tragedy and losing somebody close to you, but I'm trying to relate it to my own experiences. Cause that's all I can do. And like you said, we're lucky to not have experienced tragedy like she has, but it's like a lesson in empathy that like, if we do experience it ourselves, like maybe we can apply these tools or if somebody close to us experiences it, Mm -hmm. we know how to be a better support system for them. Yeah. I really like the part where she kind of talked about her job at Facebook. So she's CEO at Facebook. It's funny to like hear her talk about Mark, like her Mm -hmm. homie Mark, Mark Zuckerberg. Um, But she used her experiences and this like her grief basically to help Facebook treat its employees better in terms Mm -hmm. of bereavement leave. Obviously she had to go back to work at some point and she would just break down crying during meetings. And obviously like she talks about the waves of grief that hits you, hits you like you can't, you can't predict when it's going to come. You all of a sudden a pop thoughts and pop a thought pops into your mind and all of a sudden you're crying. And it's like, Mm -hmm. that happened to me when I was reading the book. (laughs) You never know when the tears are going to come, but um, they kind of, made up like exercises for their employees to do in terms of like if something is a hard topic to talk about maybe it's better to bring it up to the person that's struggling than to not say anything at all Mm -hmm. like sometimes people would be even scared to say like how are you doing today and she would she wrote in the book like I wish that they would just say something instead of looking at me like I was the elephant in the room yeah you know and that definitely helps in terms of like if someone you know has gone through something, I know it can be easy to just not say anything and feel like you're doing the right thing because they may not want to talk about it. But in reality, they probably do want to talk about it. Yeah. And it's healthy to talk about it. And there's always people around you that have gone through similar things. So, like, people came up to her at Facebook and said, like, I lost my son when he was four. And she was like, that's good. Like, not meaning that it's good, but, like, I'm so happy that you told me that because, like, it helped me relate to you and... It makes me not feel so alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just the importance of your support system around you and how you're kind of showing up for the people in your life. And she realized the friends that were real friends and the friends that were too afraid of confrontation and too afraid to have those tough conversations. Mm-hmm. And so they just stayed away. It's so and like, sad. It's so sad. And she talks all about like acknowledging the elephant, kick the elephant out of the room, like mm. bring up the tough topics. Like that's what life is. Like it's tough. And like if we can't talk about those things with our friends, who can we talk about them with? Yeah. Like that, I like I go on my rants because I'm like, I that's the meat of a friendship. That's yeah. the meat of a relationship is being able to discuss things that are like maybe uncomfortable and like, but that's like humanity. Mm. And like that's where I felt like this book was like a lesson 
and in humanity. It's like, how can we be better humans to people around us? Yeah. It's just everyone deals with grief in different ways, you know? Like some people she mentioned in the book, like started dating after a month after they lost a spouse, you know? And Mm -hmm. she obviously didn't, waited. I mean, I think she did start going on dates after like a year, but people judge you, you know? Like, oh, you're dating again? Like her husband's brother was like, I can't like imagine you dating. And in the end he had to apologize and say, I'm really sorry. Like I miss Dave, but like you deserve to be happy too. And Mm -hmm. like you do need to move on at some point. And yeah. And she mentions like, rather than the golden rule of treating people, how you want to be treated when people are going through like grief or loss, that it's the platinum rule platinum rule applies and that's treat people the way they want to be treated Mm -hmm. and how you think they want to be treated exactly how you want to be treated and like some people don't want to talk some people don't want to have somebody that's there all the time some people want to be alone but it's being there as an option so she talked about this study that people did scientists did where people had to complete a like concentration test or some test that took a lot of concentration with Mm -hmm loud noise going on in the background that was super disruptive. And then they would test their anxiety and stress levels. And so they did that. And then the next time they tested them, but they had a button there that they could stop the loud noise if they wanted to. Nobody pressed the button. But their stress and anxiety levels went down. Mm. So what's interesting there is that people feel less stressed and less anxious when they know that there's a button. There's an option to stop the noise and stop something, but you feel stronger knowing that option's there Mm -hmm. and you're able to persist. Yeah. So like what she talks about is like, give people the option, like rather than just asking, is there anything I can do? Like suggest something specific being like, Hey, can I bring you a taco? And like he, she even gave the example, like somebody texted somebody who had just lost their kid or somebody and was like, what do you not want on a burger? Like I'm, I'm getting, getting you a burger. Yeah, exactly. It's like I made the decision for you. So you don't have to think about it, but like tell me if you don't want something on there. Yeah. Or another example was like somebody was in the hospital and they got a text from their friend being like, I'm in the lobby for the next hour. If you need to talk or you need a hug, I'm here. So and like nice. so nice. And like that's what I'm saying. It's like giving people that option and like, yeah, it might feel uncomfortable and you might not know what to say, but you being there means a lot more. And it's like that human connection when somebody's like going through loss, I think speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. So overall it was, I think like a great book to read. It is heavy. It was hard. Like it's easy to read like in like, it goes by quickly, even though mm. it didn't finish. <laughs> it literally feels like high school again, where I'm like, I have to read this book. And I'm like, I already know how to talk about it and I'm not going to finish it. So that's where I'm at in my adult life as well. But I really enjoyed what I did read and I got a lot out of it, clearly. Yeah. But I will probably finish it. You should. I'll I mean, let you know if I have more thoughts. Okay. But moving on to something I'm ashamed to be so excited oh, to talk yeah, about. This is definitely the happier part of the podcast. Is the premiere of The Bachelorette. The Black Bachelorette. Stop. <laughs> Bite your tongue. I hate that you just said that. So Please sorry. stop. We're never saying that ever again. I had to say it once. No, you didn't. <laughs> you, that was almost as bad as Dean's joke of going black and never going back. That was so ABC. Like someone had to say it. 
They're so fucked up. Terrible. Anyways, so Rachel Lindsay is the new Bachelorette, and I think I have a girl crush. I She's love so her. Awesome. Yeah. But it makes me sad that I like her because I'm like, why do you need to go on TV to find love? I mean, she was already on The Bachelor, so it's not like yeah. they picked her out of Dallas. Like, she volunteered to be on the show before. But so. that, that's why, like, it makes me sad that, like, in Dallas, in her life, she is a smart, beautiful, funny woman and cannot meet somebody? Yeah. I mean, there's a good few amount of people like that that, that go on the show, you know? I guess. Anyways, well, she's great. I love that she's, like, talking about how she's, like, sweet and sour and silly and sassy. I'm like, yes, dude. I'm like, you're my people. I also love that she had her dog with her. Like, yes, she brought her dog on the plane. (laughs) Like she was very real. I feel like she felt the most relatable in those like opening montage of like introducing the new bachelor bachelorette. You're sitting there watching like almost with chills. You're just like, I'm so happy it's back. And I love her. I know. I'm so so happy happy it's back. Isn't that sad? I'm like so ashamed. It's just way to finish your day. You know, like I love this and I'm so excited for the next two hours. Yeah. By the end of the two hours, I was like, get cringing. Yeah. I know. My sister even, she's like, I wasn't going to do it, but I'm watching The Bachelorette. I'm like, it's addicting. She watches every time. You can't stay away. And like, that's the thing. We're like, it's totally a guilty pleasure because like, I'm embarrassed to say how much I love it, but I keep up. Yeah. Anyways. So she's great. I'm like very excited to find, hopefully she finds love because I think she really deserves it. But these guys. You guys are. Whew. So. Not the best. You don't remember Alex? Well, there's two Alexes. Oh, what? Yep. There's I, I two Alexes. I notes on my phone. I record every single one. So one oh, I didn't is do that. the guy that showed up with the vacuum Yeah, cleaner. that's the guy. Like, okay. He, that was funny. He was so funny. And then he's like, funny. I did. I was cringing when he was like, inter, like kind of like walking past her talking to other guys as yeah. like during the cocktail party. But I liked the way that he like came in with the vacuum. Yeah. He was funny. So yeah. damn cute. Yeah. Kind of cute. The other Alex was the like coder guy that also lifted weights. His intro thing is. was kind of at the beginning of the episode. You may have missed it. Yeah. I literally on my phone take notes of every single guy that walks Wait, up to her. There's two Alexes. I think so. Okay. I wasn't aware of that. But um I also liked Demario. He's one of the ones that met her during after the final rose and mm-hmm. I didn't watch that, so I didn't Me know either. who yeah. watched. I did like didn't really think anything of it. He seems like cocky. Yeah. I said like his confidence, but he seems like a little fuckboy. He seems like <laughs> one of those guys that like will probably do really well on their one-on-one dates, but yeah. not with the guys. Yes. His the Which ego is will not come necessarily in. any sort of like red flag. Like a lot of guys that win aren't super popular with the guys. Yeah. About it. And he seems like not that much of a dick, at least yet. We'll see. They just seem like overconfident. And then that just comes across as really unattractive. Yeah. I don't There's really a like very fine they... line of like confidence and cockiness. And mm-hmm. it's like, you gotta tread lightly. Yeah. I don't really like how they had some people meet her before. That's like, doesn't really seem fair. And already the guys hate him because of it. You know? Yeah. They're like, oh, you already met her. Like they're pissed at him. Which doesn't really... They just want to spur drama. Start drama. Uh, duh. Yeah. Um, Brian is my favorite. The sexy Colombian. He may be a crazy kisser, but he's so beautiful. Okay. Can you agree with me that he's a crazy yeah. kisser? Anna and I were watching and we're like, we couldn't... It, she hates I like felt it. I like felt very wet and yeah. I'm like out here, not, not in well the TV. Like no, like <laughs> saliva wet. I'm like, I'm not... I'm not into that. Like, I did like him before. I liked that he, like, took her side and he's like, this is what I'm here for. Yeah. And then it's like, slobber, slobber, slobber. <laughs> like, <laughs> she was into it, though. I know. Like, it. I was like, is this a good kiss? And it just looks bad. 
Like it looked super slobbery. I don't think it got to the point where it was slobbery because slobbery is like when you're like No, it's like he was sticking his mouth. entire tongue in her mouth. Yeah, but like and swirling it around the entire mouth. I'm I sorry, think, I'm getting really graphic yeah, here. When, let's talk about it cuz <laughs> when it comes to kissing like if you're on par with the person you're kissing in terms of crazy tongue action, it yeah, can be good. That's true. And it seemed like she was keeping up with him. It just was sudden. Yeah. Like normally you build up to that. Totally. Like it was like all of a sudden it's like whoosh. I'm yeah. like, whoa, okay. So you got to be ready for it. But like it's only really bad when they're the one being aggressive and you're not reciprocating. That's true. I'm like imagining that situation and I'm cringing. But it's also funny because they kissed again when he got the first impression rose. Yeah. And same thing. <laughs> Mohit was so funny in that part. No. So drunk. First Indian guy. Yeah. Okay. So the first Indian guy. San Francisco. Meant for Sharon. <laughs> Just getting on it. And I were like, Sharon. There's no way. <laughs> I know. He's not that cute. but the And his personality is like. Pfft. We didn't even get to see him. He had an unfair edit. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, we do have inside scoop. We do have Somebody scoop. we know met him in San Francisco and had a little tete-a-tete. But. Said he's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, weird is relative. True. He just got like pathetic drunk where like he couldn't. He was like stumbling and like didn't have the balls to go talk to her. And I'm thinking they like he probably did talk to her, but it was boring. Yeah. So they didn't show it. Or like there was like nothing, like nothing special. And like I kind of just feel like he's just like nothing special. Yeah. I want there to be more Indian guys on Bachelorettes. There's so <gasps> many hot ones. Are there? I think Where? so. I mean, I've met hot ones through you, so I know they exist. <laughs> you gotta hunt for they them. They've probably already taken though by the time mm-hmm. they're bachelor well i'm also curious i'm like age. what are your parents saying about this yeah are they supportive maybe not they're probably so embarrassed because yeah drunk. <laughs> i know i'm just thinking like indian mom oh sad bad and edit bad edit he did get a bad edit but anyways peter who's peter peter is the first guy that got out of the oh lab. gap tooth yes they have the same gap tooth it's kind of cute is that weird she seems into him and in the yeah uh Season premiere, season preview, or whatever. Mm. I think he gets he gets goes far. Oh yeah, I was looking for that. Yeah, he's like charming in a way. Anna thought he was really hot, and I was like, I wouldn't say really hot, but I think I could get he could grow on me. Mm-hmm. I need to get. I would want to. I need to get to know his personality better yeah. <laughs> before I <laughs> don't. Make, we all. I need to make that judgment later. Yeah. Um. Oh my God, Adam Jr. Like at first, like the so this guy brings a like doll that's maybe like three feet tall that's like dressed the same as him and has like a painted on face, it's like a blow up doll, but not of blow up material. It's like cloth, like yeah, a cloth doll. like a stuffed doll. Yeah, and like the face is like not creepy, but like eyes drawn on, like, like a, a face drawn, drawn on. Face though, no, like the eyes were okay. Like it was like a weird doll face. <laughs> Anyways. That was like his opener, this guy, Adam. And he's like, this is Adam Jr. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Super I weird. I've never seen anything like that before. So I but I'm like, how is that effective? Like, it's memorable? They will Trying to make her laugh? So oh, my God. The guy that tickled her? That. Somebody t- fucking tickled yeah. her. T- his his uh, description on the website is Tickle Monster. Ew. So gross. Anyways, back to Adam Jr. <laughs> I was like, kind of like, oh, this is weird. And then they started... <laughs> Talking about how Rachel's like creeped out by Adam Jr. He's like, it's a little creepy. And then there's like footage of him speaking French. The doll. <laughs> the not doll. Adam. Not Adam. The doll speaking French. And then there's footage of like Rachel talking to just the doll. 
I was loving it, like busting out laughing in my Meanwhile, living room. Meanwhile, what does Adam look like? We've already forgotten. No clue. Yeah. Did we even see her talk to him? Yes. I don't remember. Because we, yeah, we see her talking to him and saying, get rid of the doll. <laughs> and then she calls his name at the rose ceremony and is like, just Adam, <laughs> not Adam Jr. <laughs> and then like the funniest part, like there's this one part where... It's like she tells Adam Sr. that she's creeped out by Adam Jr. And then there's like they shoot, they cut to Adam Jr. being like, I disgust her in French. And I just died. It was so funny. ABC, like cheap Random, tricks, yeah. cheap tricks, but I'm eating it up. <laughs> um, Lucas, kill me now. So this is the waboom, dude. What? What? Like, I no, I have no idea where that came from, what his like... MO is with the whole thing. Like, it's so stupid. I could die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me so angry. Like, I know. I it just like makes you want, like, this is why people think that the show is bullshit. It's because of people like that. And yeah, yeah the show is pretty much bullshit, but like, let's not go too far with it. Yeah. Like, like oh. it's terrible. He's yeah. really obnoxious and the guys I, hate him. Yeah. And he's just so, like, not self-aware or he was fucked up. Like, I don't know. He got progressively more drunk throughout the night. But, I I mean, he was sober at the beginning. And he wore a tank top to the first night. Yeah. Sorry, that's not allowed. (laughs) Ever. He had the blazer on top of it, but. No, no tank tops. She was like, like, oh, it's a tank top under there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he brought her one. Yeah. Throw that shit in the trash. Self-awareness is at, like, negative 50. Um. Let's see. Dean. Dean. I honestly, he is cute. Looks a little short, but like his teeth, are they, they're like really white and like big and I'm very distracted by them. Creepy. But like, I'm like, I I want to like you, Dean, but I'm too distracted by your teeth. Is he a dentist or something? I don't know. (laughs) I don't. I feel like it kind of had something. Oh, that is such an interesting thing. I'm paying so much less attention to their jobs than I do with The Bachelor. Really? Yeah. Huh. They're all very similar. They all have their like, jobs. There's a lot of product product managers. There's a lot of like sales people. Mm. Not like they I feel like they make up the weird ones for the girls because there yeah. aren't as many jobs. But like for me, thinking of like just sexism in general yeah. and how we treat different totally. seasons differently, like I pay more attention to the girls' jobs than I do the guys. Yeah. Because they're usually jokes. Like they're not Maybe. serious. I pay attention to the guys' jobs. Okay. Like there was a firefighter. Oh, I did notice a, he fucking wore a firefighter thing, so it's hard to miss. <laughs> Clearly, the dress code isn't enforced on the Bachelorette. Like, what? Yeah. Well, dude, they penguin. <laughs> I was loving. The, some dude came in a penguin suit. I would. Yeah. I would be very happy with that. I'd be totally fine with that. Um, flashback to her conversation with the girls at the beginning with Alexis there. She's like, if someone's dressed in a weird suit, like, don't judge them. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, she wore a penguin onesie on their... Dolphin. Shark. No, no, no. Rachel wore a penguin onesie on her one-on-one, oh, yeah. on her fantasy suite date with Nick. Yeah. So she's into great. penguins. And his, like, joke about... That was funny. They were talking about, about Michael Jackson versus Prince. Mm. And he said Prince. And Rachel said Michael. And then she was like, but you're wearing black and white. Like, don't matter if you're black or white. And like, she's like, he's like, I'm black and white. It was funny. I thought that was a funny conversation. I think she likes white dudes more than she likes black dudes, actually. Oh, well, let's talk about Fred. Yeah. Isn't that creepy? Imagine if like that were you and you are the bachelorette and 
some guy from like that you knew when you were in seventh grade and he was, was in like fifth third grade. grade? Was no, there a she, big age difference? No, like she was in eighth grade and he was in fifth, I think. That's a pretty I guess there's a lot of guys that are younger than her, like a lot younger. Like yeah. 26, 25. Yeah, she's 32. Yeah. So imagine, like you would be so thrown off. If they were older than me, I would be a little bit more okay with it. But if they yeah. were younger than me and we went to elementary school together. And she like, was his camp counselor. Oh, yeah. Too weird. Right? But she gave him a rose. They got to keep him on. For- I like his personality. Yeah. it was. It's an interesting story. I think that's why they're keeping him yeah. on there. I also like Josiah. I kind of like him. He was the one that thought he was getting the first impression yeah. rose. And he's, he's like, funny. like, I was wrong. Yeah. I was wrong. I'm like, then don't be overconfident. I'm just like, shut the fuck up. Like, He's like trying to be funny about it. Kind no, of. you can't. I don't know. Honestly, we can't really judge anything by the first night. Like they get yeah. rid of like the people that she clearly doesn't care about. But like you really can't tell until they go on dates, you know? Yeah. That's like Milton who was like purring in her ear. And she's like, I don't play that. <laughs> Such a bummer because I thought he was hot. I thought, what was that? There was another guy. I think his name is Luke. Another black guy that mm. she sent home night one. And I thought he was cute and he seemed she nice. She let a lot of cute guys go. I know. But maybe she just like didn't connect with them. Um, Milton, though. Let's get back to him. He was sad because he's like, I have a ton of cute outfits yeah. that I wanted to wear. And I was like. Are you gay, bro? <laughs> hey, you don't have to be gay to care about what you wear. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny because that would totally be me being like, fuck, dude. I have yeah. so many cute outfits. <laughs> not Clearly not there for love. Yeah. Um, Jack Stone, mm. the creepiest beady eyes are my thing. I cannot, I like, I get really creeped out. I had to like look away from the screen. I was, he was so beady eyed. Gross. Sorry. I just yawned. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Jack Stone, not making it far. Um, Blake, how many, there's two there's like Blakes, four Blakes, three, three Blakes? or four Blakes. One of them got sent home. Okay. There's Blake K who is like half Asian or something mm-hmm. and he lives in San Francisco. And then there's the Blake. He got sent home. The, with the bodybuilder. Ooh. So he also met her the first at, after the final okay. rose. He's the one that like talks about his penis and yeah. working out and building testosterone. Such a bad look. I'm just like, why? Yeah. Why? Why? What? Why are you saying that on national television? Like, did producers tell him to talk about that? Or just like people are weird as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Like Such I'm trying to understand, off. yeah. And just don't ever talk about that. In my opinion, yeah. He's the one that came in playing drums. Yeah, yeah. Too much. Hate him. Overcompensating. Yeah. Um, I don't remember anybody else. I'm <laughs> trying to think of other people. Let me look at my notes really quick. Yeah. Um. I just like. I think it's so funny that she like. Night one is just a shit show. Mm-hmm. Jedediah looks like Voldemort, I think. I don't even remember who that is. Oh, he got sent home. He did? Yeah. Oh, God. He was the one that was like when they interrupted. Like somebody was trying to talk to her and he was like, yeah, just one more second. And then there became like that weird clusterfuck of like people in line of like, oh, no, but he's next. Yeah, and then he's so next. Awkward. And then like it was like straight up daytime. Yeah, very very light out. Yeah, when some of those guys like sun is out. rising. <laughs> what sun do you has think risen about uh, Diggy? Is he? <laughs> did he Diggy stay? He the clothes. Honestly, I don't remember. Was he? Oh, he's the one that made that face. That there's that meme, like it's like it. when your Uber driver starts to tell you their life story, mm-hmm. and it's like <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah, he's wearing like glasses. Him. 
Um, there was also Will. Kenny. Sorry. Kenny. Kenny's the one that has a 10-year-old daughter. Yeah. He was kind of, I, like I don't know. I got weird creeper vibes from him. The wrestling thing was weird, but the yeah. daughter was kind of nice. I don't know. Yes, having a daughter is nice. <laughs> I don't know. It made me like him more when it showed the footage with him with her. That's the plan. Yeah. Um, I think, was Will the one that came as like Steve Urkel? And then like changed in the limo real quick? No. No recollection. Um, I do have... There was an Eric that was that like danced with her and was wearing a beige suit. Beige suit. Beige, beige <laughs> suit. Um, I don't remember him at all. There was a couple that came by and went so fast that I couldn't even take notes. Anthony and Jamie. I don't have anything for. Mm, yeah. Well. Oh well. We'll see next week. We'll have more concrete opinions. Yeah. Because that's why we. Oh, watch, Brady obviously. is the male model. The white guy. He's like. <laughs> Too pretty, almost. I don't. I cannot recall. He's definitely the best looking one on the website cast mm. list, but he's pretty short in real life. Dude, the pictures on the website are pretty so, trog. They're you think really they'd be able to bad. take better photos of them? Yeah. I don't know. Or is it like the guys just aren't as good looking as years past? There's some good looking ones. Yeah, there's definitely good looking. But ones. like the ones that look bad look bad. Yeah, maybe it's like. Something about her type. Like, mm. there aren't as many, like, tanned, square-faced, spiky hair guys. Like, I remember on JoJo's like Luke. season, like, there were so many people that looked exactly the same. Yeah, totally. Because she, she says she doesn't have, like, a physical type. Yeah. So they kind of got a mixed bag. Real mixed. They could have mixed it more. They could have mixed it Only eight black guys made it through out of all of them. There's 31. How many like, black guys were there? I think there was like 15. Well, she likes all types. It's like, it's not going to be, if she doesn't like black guys, it's like, how can you force somebody just because yeah. she's a black bachelorette, you can't force her to want to be with a black guy. Very true. It's like whoever she connects with. Yeah. But like, I'm hesitant also because she connected with Nick and I hate Nick. Yeah. Hard to say, but I like her. Yeah. TBD, it's the beginning of the season, and you know we will be covering every episode. I apologize to those who do not watch and have to endure this. (laughs) Disclaimer. I think those people have probably dropped off the podcast a while ago. That's why we leave it at the end, so you can listen to, like, the intellectual shit first. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening, guys. This was a lot of fun. I missed this. So happy to be back, and... Getting into summertime. Really excited. Well, summer in SF. It was cold as fuck yesterday. It used to be nice. Like the past week or so has been really nice weather. June's the worst. The worst? The worst. Who says that? Quote was Mark Twain. It's like the coldest coldest winter I ever had was summer in San Francisco. There's truth to it. This is why you escape and I go hang out with babies. Invite me. I will. Pool time. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.